I don't know about you, but I'm quickly going to say it's been really, really good to be here already. Man, it's been good. Amen. Yeah, you can celebrate. Woo. Man, just worshiping Jesus with you today has been such a, a joy for me. Uh, my name's Kyle, and we're just so glad to have each and every one of you here. Uh, I don't know about your week. My week has been wild, and it has been very, very busy. Um, I, I won't tell you all the busyness, but I, I will tell you that we had 17 people in our house last night, like, like all night, and this morning. It brought a whole new meaning to surround sound, you know what I'm saying? And um, so our room is like on kind of the corner of the house, right? So you're asking, how could you be in your room and still experience surround sound? Well, uh, Kids just wake up full of energy, don't they? And so we didn't just have people in our house this morning. We had people outside our house, too. And there's an extra dog and a couple extra rodents, I think, even, that made the... I'm not making that up. Anyway, uh, but it's been good. Uh, people that are like family to us have been in our house last night, and we're, we're blessed to have them. And it's just been part of our, our busy busy week. Hey, one of the reasons that I'm excited for today, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and let you know that uh, we want to celebrate, we want you to be prepared to celebrate, um, is that we're going to have baptism today. And man, I get excited about baptism. So a couple things about that really, really quick. At some point during my sermon, a few people are going to get up and they're going to leave out. And they're not going to leave because I said something they didn't like. All right, they're going to get up because they're going to go get ready to get baptized. So if you get up during the middle of the sermon today, we're just going to assume that you're getting baptized. So just be prepared. If you go out any one of these doors while I'm talking, you're getting baptized, all right? So be ready for that. Uh, but that'll be coming in just a little bit. And man, church, let's get ready to celebrate uh, those that are taking uh, this opportunity to make known to the world that they are followers of Jesus. Um, a couple of our kids went to Family Farm this week. Oh, man, our Family Farm is just incredible. It really is incredible. Uh, great environment. Uh, they teach your kids incredible values. They get to interact with animals and great people. And most importantly, uh, they get pointed to Jesus every single day. Uh, we have people in our church that uh, serve in ministry through Family Farm. And it's just such a, it's such a joy. In fact, um, uh, I think Thursday it was when they had kind of their last big hoorah, and uh, Terry got to go down with our other kids. And so first picture here of my little girl, and uh, this little pony liked her a lot. And uh, we actually have video because she keeps going, and so does the pony. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, and I don't know if she's more scared or more happy. She was both at the same time, and that was part of her experience at uh, Family Farm this week. And so our family loves Family Farm. Well, uh, at least we did till this week. Let me show you why. Next picture. At some point, Daddy May, who's a great man, says to everybody, please take a cat home with you. So there's my son who just loves people and loves animals. He's got a compassionate heart, and you can see that compassion, pitiful spirit coming through him right now. 
Really, he's looking at the camera, but the reason why he's looking at the camera is because I'm not there, and he's looking at me through the camera. This is his plea to dad to say, yes, we can bring a cat home. I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but me and cats, just like, I don't think they go together. I mean, it's just, I I don't like cats. If you like cats, good for you, because I don't, right? You know what I'm saying? And so I just, I just don't like them, um, at least not in my home and uh, in our house and in our family. And so anyway, just, just pitiful, pitiful, pitiful. Mom kept saying, uh, man, put the cat up, we got to go. And he just, he just stayed like this. And, um, and so anyway, finally, a phone call had to be made to me to have the talk. And Dad had to say, son, put the cat up, get in the vehicle, and come home. No. You are not bringing a cat home. It's one of those moments as a parent that you as parents all know about. I don't really care what you think. I don't really care what you feel. I love you, but you got to do what I'm telling you to do in this moment. Which brings us to John chapter 14, verse number 15. John chapter 14 and verse number 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. Now, as a parent to your child, you're like, I like that verse. I like that verse a lot. But what we've got going on here is Jesus speaking to you and speaking to me. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we're holding on to stuff that's cute and cuddly, and we just don't understand why God would tell us, put the cat down, get in the vehicle, and come on home, right? I mean, my son still right now, he just can't comprehend why I would tell him no, and obviously that's a preference of mine, all those kind of things. But we're, we're, we're talking about God sometimes, and we've got our little pet, if you will, this, this little thing that we love and that we value and we, we think we need in our lives. And God says, I know you can't really understand this, but if you love me, you'll put it down and you'll, you'll follow me. If you love me, you'll, you'll set it aside and you won't value it the way you've been valuing it because like, I'm just telling you it's not good for you. Well, I don't understand. He says, well, if you love me, obey my commandments. As we've been talking about, we will follow. All of us together, God's people together following Jesus, calling us to be his disciples, calling us to be like him, calling us to walk with him and to talk with him and to be transformed into his likeness. In part of that calling, he calls us to know and to follow and to obey his commands. And here, he says, if you love me, If you love me, keep my commands. When you read that, I don't know about you, but I kind of back up and I'm like, Jesus, do you you want me to be perfect? I mean, obey my commands. First of all, with the commandments. I'm going to assume all of us in this room have some kind of idea of what a few of the commandments of God are. Um, we probably could quote a few of them. Uh, I don't think any of us in here could quote all of them because there's a bunch of them, especially when you look over in the Old Testament. But 
You just look at the teachings of Jesus and we get some idea of this is what we ought to do, this is what we shouldn't do. And so just with what we understand of the commandments of Jesus, we get a bit overwhelmed. And then there's so many more that maybe we haven't unpacked yet or disregarded or haven't read yet. And so we get a bit overwhelmed at the idea of obey my commandments. Maybe even to the point that we actually say these words out loud, I can't do that. Right? I mean, obey the commandments. I mean, it's hard. It's difficult. There are things that we like and things that we value and things that we want to want to pet and things that we want to hold on to that, that God says you're not supposed to. And you're like, oh, I can't do that. Now, here's how it goes for me. If I ever, like, figure out that I can't do something, like I'm incapable of doing it. Um, you know, like I'm not smart enough or I'm not talented enough or I'm not athletic enough or this never happens, but that I'm not good looking enough, that, that I can't pull it off. If I just come to that point that I realize like I'm going to reach the end here and I know I can't get that done, my natural thing to do is to say, well, if I realize I can't do it, then I'm just going to stop trying. I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. I mean, now, if, if I think there's some chance that I can pull it off, I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to go forward. I'm willing to go all in. I'm not saying I'm, like, afraid of challenges. But if I reach the point that, like, it's just impossible, I, I just kind of step back and I say, I think I'll just rather just watch everybody else go try. If they get it, great. If they fail, great. But I really don't want to fail. I really don't want to come up short. I can't do that. And so I'm just going to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. And this verse is one of those verses. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. That last part, I'm like, I don't know if I have a shot. I don't know if I can pull it off. Now, there's some of you in this room, you're, you're better than I am, and you're more faithful than I am, and you're more able than I am, and you're like, oh, let's move on. I got that. Let's go. But for the rest of us in the room, may I suggest a few things before you reach this point of reading John chapter 14 and verse number 15 and say, ah, can't do that. First of all, Jesus is not speaking about your ability. He's not calling you based on what he thinks that you are capable of doing. He's not looking at your track record and saying, hey, I want you to obey my commandments. Because I don't care who you are, your track record shows you have not kept them. One guy in the room is with me today. And I love it. Man, I'm serious. Like, we got to get that. Every single one of us, our track record proves we can't do it. And so he's not calling me based on my ability. My ability to do. No, Jesus does not call you based on your ability. And I don't know if you know this or not, but that is good news. 
It is good news to know that God is not calling me to follow him based on my ability. He is not calling you uh, to follow him based on your ability. It's not why he's calling you. It's It's not what he's looking at. It's not what he's speaking into. Rather, Jesus is speaking and calling us and appealing to our affection. Notice John chapter 14, verse number 15. If you, what, can we put that back on the screen? If you, what, if you, he appeals to our affection. Not to our ability, because he knows we come up short. He knows we're going to come up short. So he appeals to something greater. He appeals to something deeper. He appeals to something higher. He appeals to something more powerful. He appeals to my affection and your affection. If you love me, not if you can keep my commandments, but if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's almost like, is it, how much do you love me? Well, if you love me, then you will keep my and obey my commandments. But even still, that's pretty overwhelming. I mean, do I love Jesus enough? Isn't that a pretty deep question? Do I love Jesus enough? I don't know if you've ever gone through doubts in your uh, following of Jesus and your Christianity. Um, I have. I've been talking to several people the last several weeks, several different people that have uh, just expressed to me seasons of doubt uh, in their walk of faith that may have been current or may have been a few years ago. And, and, and a lot of things come into play into that doubt. And one of those common things uh, that I hear people that are, are struggling with, like, am I really a follower of Jesus or not? Am I, am I really saved or not? A lot of times goes back to, you know, I'm trying to remember the time when I, when I knelt and when I prayed. And, and I, I, just, I don't know if I, words become like, the, I don't know if I prayed the right prayer. Let me tell you something. Praying the right prayer doesn't save you. When you understand who you are as a sinner, and you understand who Jesus is as a Savior, Jesus saves you. Jesus saves you. And so our faith is not in a prayer. Our faith is not in our ability. Our faith is not in going to church. Our faith is not in so many other things that we could come up with. Our faith is in Jesus And in Jesus alone. And so let me just for a moment suggest to you that Jesus is not at all appealing to our abilities. And maybe he's even going deeper than appealing to our affection. Could it be that Jesus is actually making an appeal to not our affection right here, but his affection here? Is it possible that Jesus, when he says, if you love me which sounds like he's talking about us completely. And then he says, if you love me, obey my commandments. That Jesus, when he says, if you love me, talking to our affection is going even beyond our affection, speaking about his own affection. So when I say, man, I I can't do it, Jesus is like, you're exactly right. You speak truth. We're on the right path towards becoming who we can be in Jesus when we finally understand 
who we are in and of ourselves. He's getting baptized. <laughs> I'm for real, he is. <laughs> Love it. Chad's going to get baptized. Jesus here is saying, but I, Jesus, can love you enough for you to love me enough for you to be able to do it. She's getting baptized too. Wait a minute, what? What? What would you just say? Jesus is saying, I can love you enough to help you love me enough to help you do what I'm calling you to do. Think about this for just a moment. Let's get overwhelmed for just a second. John chapter 3, verse 16. You're so familiar with it. It's going to come on the screen, though. For God did what? God, God did what? Mm, he loved. He loved the world. That includes me. That includes you. He didn't just say it. He showed it. So much that he gave a little bit, what he had left over, what he didn't want anymore, what was no longer valuable to him. No, 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 no. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Let that impact you this morning. God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Do I get eternal life because of my ability? No. Do I get eternal life because of my affection? No. I get eternal life because of the affection of God. 1 John chapter 4, I believe it's verse 16. It's not the right verse. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 6, 1 John chapter 4. If that was wrong, it was my fault because I give them that information. I told you we are imperfect. There's a verse in 1 John chapter 4 that says, We love. It's verse 19. We love because he loves us first. Look, they're quick up there. Look at that. We love. We love each other. We love because he, Jesus, loved us first. Why do I have affection for others and why do I have affection for God? Because of the affection of God. So he's appealing to our affection, but he knows that our affection flows out of his affection. I have affection for God because God has affection for me. I have affection for you because of the affection God has for me. I don't love you naturally. I love you supernaturally. And let's face it, some of us in this room are really hard to love. Some of you didn't laugh. People are hard to love. I mean, they can be good looking and you 
want to marry them and you get married to them and you realize at some point there are things about this person that are just difficult. Much less all the other people that we don't think are attractive enough to us to, you know, marry them, right? I mean, how difficult are they? We love each other because he loved us first. We love God because he loves us first. His affection produces our affection. And his affection affects our affection so much that we begin to love one another and love him. So wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not about my ability. No, it's not about your ability. Whoo, that's a relief. This reality isn't even about my affection. This is about his affection. Yes. So catch this. Here's the big idea, and I want you to wrestle with this and get this. Only after recognizing our imperfection. Can we begin to follow Jesus' perfection? Only after realizing our imperfection, our inability, our ineptness to do and even to love, can we begin to understand and follow Jesus and experience what he has for us. That's when we really enter into what he has When did you become a believer? You became a believer when you understood who you were without Jesus, right? For me, it was like, I am a sinner, and I am hopeless. I cannot make this thing right. I can't do enough good. I am hopeless for eternity without a Savior. I am a sinner. I I just can't do it. I can't make it happen. I'm turning to Jesus, and I'm saying to Jesus, you're it. I'm putting all my chips on you. Everything that I've got, I'm banking it and betting it and giving it and trusting it all to you because I can't do it. My imperfection, and I looked at his perfection. I looked at Jesus, who was perfect in every way, perfect in his life, perfect in his horrific death, perfect in his glorious resurrection. Perfect in his grace, perfect in his mercy, perfect in his forgiveness, and perfect in his love. Therefore, when we see Jesus for who he is, we love him for who he is. When we see Jesus for who he is, we love him for who he is. See, the thing about Jesus, he doesn't have any defects. There's nothing that's unlovable about Jesus. There is nothing that is undeserving of our affection for him. Everything about him is deserving of our affection. We love one another as people, but every one of us have things that are undeserving of love, right? Unlovely parts of us. Maybe it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing on our ear, or maybe it's a thing in our personality, or maybe it's a thing in our behavior, But we have things about us that that are unlovely, uncomely, undesirable. But with Jesus, everything about him deserves affection and love. He's infinitely worthy of being loved. He's perfectly lovely. I'm going to repeat that. He's perfectly lovely. It's the reason why when we preach, when we teach, when we disciple, when we do what we do as followers of Jesus... We don't point here, we point to Jesus. This is not about you becoming like me. This is not about me becoming like you. This is not about us becoming like each other. This is about all of us becoming like Jesus. Because if I'm pointing at you, I'm pointing at imperfection. If you're pointing at me, you're pointing at imperfection. 
The only thing my imperfection has the incredible ability to do is to reveal the glorious perfection of Jesus. So when you see me, a follower of Jesus, you're not looking at a guy that got it all together. You're looking at a guy that experienced the perfected work and love of Jesus. When people see you as a follower of Jesus, they're seeing someone who God has gotten a hold of through his love. Loving Jesus, it's not a matter of doing excellent things. It's a matter of loving an excellent and delighting in an excellent Savior. So we're moving into this understanding of what it takes for us to follow him. This is a really simple statement. Uh, It's not in your notes, but I encourage you right now. It takes Jesus for us to follow Jesus. It takes Jesus for us to follow Jesus. This is not a grit your teeth. Learn something else. Modify this behavior. Dress this certain way. Become like Jesus thing. This is, it takes Jesus and Jesus alone for us to follow Jesus. So Jesus, even in this one statement in verse 15, understands completely what we need to follow him. He gets you. He gets you. He's like, man, they don't have the ability. They don't even have the affection. But through me, they can have the affection. And when when they experience real love through me, they'll start loving me. And when you really start recognizing who I am and fall in love with me, guess what's going to happen? Radical, amazing things are going to start happening. You're going to start obeying me. That's what happens. But you need something more. Verse 16. Jesus goes on. He says, and I will ask the Father. So the Son will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate, another intercessor, someone to approach God the Father on your behalf, who will never leave you. Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit. Underline those two words, Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is like, hey, if you want to follow me, you need to walk with me. You need to talk with me. But listen, it's going to be more than you hanging around me that's going to get this deal done. Wait a minute, I thought that was the whole idea of following Jesus. We just just hang out with him and we talk with him and we walk with him. We do that. But Jesus is like, it's still going to come up short. Uh, I'll go to my go-to, like Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. I wanted to be like Mike. I tried everything I could. I can't even imagine if at the age of 16, Michael Jordan would have called me up and said, hey, Kyle, I heard you're pretty good, dude. Like, I want to invest in you a little bit. Love for you to come up, practice with me. Uh, I'll put you up, and, man, we'll hang out, and we'll, we'll get this deal down. Would I have become a better basketball player? The answer is yes. Would I have been the next Michael Jordan? Nope. Nope. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm going to sit down because they obviously have your attention more than I do <laughs> and are better at this than I am. Probably wiser than I am too right back there. That's beautiful. Beautiful thing happening right there too, by the way. Beautiful love happening right over there. 
Jesus is like, I don't want you just to practice with me. I don't want to just talk to you and walk with you and say, all right, now do this move. Jesus is like, we're going to give you, we're going to give you something that, that's going to change everything. We're going to give you an advocate. My name's the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Son says, I'm going to give you my spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. And he's going to move in to you. The Holy Spirit is God living in you. What? I thought the Holy Spirit was like something that like got me kind of hair raised every now and when the song's just right at church. No, 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 no. You're, you're missing it if you think that's the Holy Spirit. He's so much more than that. The Holy Spirit is God living in you. He says you're going to need it. You're going to be desperate for it. Verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 17, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. He didn't say the believers can't receive him because they're not looking for him. He said the world. So believers, you should know and recognize the Holy Spirit is what he's saying. And you should receive him. It goes on to say, but you know him because he lives with you now and will later be in you. And by the way, now is later. Now is later. The Holy Spirit lives inside of believers now. Verse 20, Jesus, when I am raised to life again, so he's predicting his death and his resurrection here. He's saying, I'm about to pull this off. He says, when What verse am I in? Verse 20. I may have skipped a couple verses there, didn't I? We're in verse 20. We'll go with verse 20. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Did you hear that? I'm in the Father, the Father's in me, and I'm in you. Game changer is not strong enough word. We're not talking about putting a superstar onto a team to make them a super team. We're talking about God himself moving into us. Whoa! Whoa! Verse 21, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. They got it. They understood how much I love them. They experienced my affection, therefore they give my affection back to me. If you say that you're a believer, there should have been a point in life where you became overwhelmed with the love of God for you and you received it and it stirs you up to the day, this day so much with affection that you obey his commands is what he's saying. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, My Father will love them, and I will love them, and reveal myself to each of them. Flip on over to verse number 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. This is not about my ability. This is not about your ability. 
It's about the affection, the affection of God. It's about the crucifixion of Jesus. It's about the resurrection of Jesus. It's about the Spirit moving inside of me and moving inside of you, living inside of me and living inside of you. Jesus says, I'm going to give you everything that you need. So for just a moment, we're going to push pause on that portion of what I hope stirs you and moves you um, to the point that for some of you, you're recognizing you don't have the Spirit of God because you've never received Jesus and, and sin's becoming very real for you right now and you're recognizing your need of a Savior and you realize, man, I, I need Jesus. I don't really know what to say to Him, but I know I'm a sinner and I want Him to be my Savior and I want to receive Him. Uh, we want that for you more than anything. We want that and we're praying for that. And for believers in this room, you're like, you know what? I remember getting overwhelmed with the love of Jesus. I remember the first time that it hit me like a ton of bricks. Jesus died for me. For me, for my sin. And I said, I can't do this. And I gave him my sin. And he gave me righteousness. And it was an unfair trade. But now I'm a believer. And you need to get overwhelmed with the affection of God again today so that you can start doing what he's called you to do and following him through his affection, stirring up your affection so that he can do through things through you you cannot do. And the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Woo! Do not miss that. Amen. Can we, like, let you, like, have a class with all these people and, like, I, I love it. I love it when you're here. Y'all are all responding, but on the inside, right? <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome. Let me give you three things that I think are really, really practical. Uh, don't let the simplicity of these three things slide past you, okay? Make these things slide past you. They're massive. They're massive. Three things that I believe that we, we need that, that will and can and are supposed to and are definitely going to help us follow Jesus and do what Jesus wants us to do. Number one, you need an open Bible. You, you need an open Bible. When he says, hey, if you love me, obey my commands... Some of you don't even know what he's telling you to do. And the only way that you are going to know what Jesus wants you to do is to open the Bible in which God speaks to us every time we open and read it. Now for some of you, like, I know what he wants me to do. And for some of you, that looks like a moral checklist. Does Jesus speak into morals? Absolutely. But do you know that there's so much more that Jesus commands us to do that we would say, ah, that's, that's nothing to do with morality, so it doesn't. And yet it's, it's, it's exactly what Jesus is commanding us to do. It's, it's not a list just of obedience of of do this and, and, and don't do that. You can eat this and you can't eat that. and you, you, you can say this and you can't say that. You can watch this movie, but you can't watch that movie. I think that's what we think Christianity is. <laughs> really? How many people are going to sign up for that? Oh, sign up, I'm going to find more. It doesn't merely change your behavior. It changes your life. And so when Jesus says, obey my commands, if you'll open Scripture, in particular to the Gospels, 
you will see him saying things like, I command you to receive me. I command you to believe me. I command you to ask me. I command you to take me. I command you to abide in me. I command you to have me as your treasure. I command you to be satisfied in me. Oh, those were commands? Open the scripture and find out. If you've never really opened the Bible very much, um, that's okay. I want to encourage you to. Uh, I'll give you two ideas, and probably some people sitting around you could give you other great ideas. If you've never really opened the Bible much, I would say open to the Gospel of John and start reading there. Don't, don't start in Genesis or, I don't know, Jonah or whatever. Um, open to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and just start reading. Another really cool, practical place I would put you, no matter where you are, uh, I put you in the Proverbs, Old Testament. Uh, It's kind of cool. Proverbs has 31. It's broken down into 31 parts, 31 chapters. Just so happens that most months out of the year have 31 days. And so, hey, today's the second, so I'll read Proverbs chapter 2. And just just get in a rhythm of that. There's so much more we could talk about, but those are just two suggestions I would give you. But listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to hear from God, and the way you hear from God is through an open Bible. I'm going to say that again, and for all the believers in the room, I'm not being trite. Like, could you respond to that? The way you hear from God is through an open Bible. Okay. Or an open app. I don't care. It can be on a screen. Just the Word of God. Okay? Word of God. Secondly, open heart. It doesn't do any good if your Bible's open your heart's closed. You ever gone to church? Well, I just didn't get anything today. Man, if the guy talked about Jesus, you missed it. Now, if he was just up there mouthing about whatever, then okay, maybe you got an argument. But if the guy read the Bible at all, and the guy talked about Jesus at all, like, you should have gotten something. And here's one thing I'll guarantee you. If you open the Word of God, and you will open your heart, God will speak to you. And you will not have to wonder, was it God or was it not? If it's coming from the Word of God, you can just believe that it's from God. An open heart, listening to Him, talking back to Him. How do you talk with God? You open the Word of God, you let Him speak to you, and then you pray and you talk back to Him. Well, I don't know how to pray. Read the Word of God and respond to what God says to you. You know what we call that? Praying. It'll take your prayer life to a whole new level. Well, I thought it was all these things I was supposed to ask for. Well, maybe so, but like, what if you let God talk to you first? Wait, 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 what were you saying right there? Guess what's happening? Conversation with God, it's called prayer. Third thing, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need a great awareness of the Holy Spirit. A great awareness of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice I didn't say an understanding of the Holy Spirit. I don't claim to understand the Holy Spirit. But you need a great awareness of the Holy Spirit. He says, if, if you're believers, my people, he said, John chapter 14, he said, if you're mine, then you're going you're gonna to see him and you're going to receive him. The world doesn't get it, but if you know me, then you're going to receive and be aware of the Holy Spirit in your life. That is Jesus living in you. That is God living in you. 
And the Holy Spirit works. He works as we open the Word of God. He works as we interact with other believers. He works when we're making choices. He works when we go to work. He works in our marriages. He leads us and He guides us and He directs us. And He always does it well, perfectly. The Holy Spirit of God. You need a great awareness of the Holy Spirit of God. Again, you don't have to fully understand Him, but you need to be fully aware of Him. Check this out. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Book of Ephesians. The same spirit. I mean, Jesus died. I mean, like, dead died. Like, bled beyond our comprehension. Suffered behind, beyond our comprehension. They laid him in a grave. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the book of Ephesians declares, lives in you. What if just for the next seven days, I'm just going to choose to believe for the next seven days, I'm going to be aware that the Holy Spirit of God lives in my life. Open the word, I'm going to open my heart, I'm going to be aware of the Holy Spirit. Your week's going to be phenomenal. I don't even know what that means, but I'm just telling you, it'll change your life. Holy Spirit of God living inside of you, leading you, directing you, and empowering you. A couple of next steps to consider as we round our time out together this morning. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for the one that has responded to me. And thanks for the help from right over there. I love it. Thank you guys for being here today. Uh, man, let me say this before we get to those. Church, I love you. Thank you. I want us to follow Jesus. I want us to be known as disciples. I want us to be known as a church that makes disciples. If we're known for anything else, let's just shut her down. Because that's the commission of Jesus, our Savior. Go and make disciples. And together we're going to follow him and together we're going to make disciples together. My next step today could be this. Recognize my imperfection and Jesus' perfection. Maybe for you that's where you're at. Maybe for you it's the first time and you're like, wow, I need my sin gone. I need a savior. We want you to respond to Jesus today. The word of God declares that today is the day of salvation. We want you to be saved today. We want you to experience Jesus today. For some of you, you've experienced salvation and you've just forgotten about the affection and the perfection of Jesus. And you need to be so overwhelmed by it that you can love him so that you therein will obey his commandments. Oh, believers, that we would be overwhelmed with the love of God for us. Oh, that we would weep and that we would shout and that we would rejoice and that we would respond to the love of God. If we, God's people, are not responding to the love of God, how in the world are we ever going to imagine people who do not believe in him yet responding to the love of God? Respond to the love of God. Next step uh, there that may be there for you, the next one. Get in the word and be aware that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I really don't read the Bible very much. Okay, well, that's, that's okay. That's okay. We're not here to rough you up, but we here, are here to encourage you and to push you and to lead you and to make a disciple out of you. And let me tell you what, if you're going to become a disciple, you're going to have to get this word open. 
You're going to have to get your heart open, and you're going to have to be aware of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. If you think that being a disciple is about your ability to come to church on Sunday and to do good all through the week, you have missed it completely. Open Bible, open heart, awareness of the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you need to take that little bit of wisdom from God and share it with somebody else. And in so doing, start making a disciple. Some of you are capable through God's power and through His Spirit to start making disciples. And you just need to be, here goes. Go do it. Well, do you have to approve me making a disciple? No. You can make all the disciples you want to. No cap. No limit. You don't have to get my approval. You have the authority of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. We're going to pray, and uh, I'm going to be quiet uh, after this prayer. We're going to celebrate baptism as soon as this prayer is over. And uh, it's going to be a a glorious time. And, uh, man, believers, just... Celebrate, celebrate what God's doing in the lives of these two people that are about to follow Jesus in baptism. And uh, I want to encourage you that if you've never been baptized, man, we'd love for you to follow Jesus in baptism. It is a step of obedience. You're about to see two obedient people here. They have become overwhelmed with the affection of God for them. And they are, in turn, doing something that is weird. Getting wet in public in front of a bunch of people watching them. Baptism's strange. It's weird. So is following Jesus. It goes against the flow. It's not the norm. It's not the usual. It's not the everyday. And so as they are taking this bold, courageous step, man, just like, celebrate. Encourage them. If you need to take a step of faith in your walk, I want you to know that when we are done with this service today, I will be down front. Other pastors will be down front. There will probably be one or two in the back. We'd love to connect with you. If you want to connect later this week, we'd love to do that. Let's pray.